snacksy burritos for the evening. Wait a second, what are we doing? Oh my god, you're right. What are we doing? Jesus. What is this, our first time? Yeah, I know. I'm going to actually try something just to see if we're... Okay, that's... <laughs> that's so much better. I thought something was wrong. I'm not going to have any creativity on this podcast if we didn't have the squeezies. I know. Such a I don't even know what, it, what we would have done. It probably would have had actual real thoughts and. No, no <laughs> way. There's no way a podcast we do actually has real thoughts. Welcome to the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast, presented by Cinema Summit, a podcast about the art of making films, no matter how small the budget. And now, here are your hosts, Alex Dark and Trevor L. Nelson. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. This is episode 21 of the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast. I'm Alex Dark. And I am Trevor L. Nelson. And today we're going to talk a little bit about our philosophy when it comes to no budget filmmaking. You know, why we started this podcast, that kind of stuff. But first, Alex, what are you drinking? Well, we had high hopes. I had high hopes that I would actually remember to bring ice for some boozy... We have some, we have an ice problem. We need an ice maker in here because our little fridge, uh, Alex called... What do you call it, Alex? What's the ice called? Uh, little Freon cubes. Freon cubes because it just tastes kind of... Um, it has an odor to it, I'm not going to yeah. lie, and a taste, a distinct yeah. taste. I think we're going to save the freezer for uh, White Castle Burgers. White Castle Burgers and, and Raw Fish. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect, perfect. <laughs> Nothing says great studio <laughs> than cooking raw fish in the microwave that we pulled out from our freezer. Mm, can't wait. It's just going to smell like a floral bouquet in here. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, but in actuality, we're still sipping on the Kona Brewing Company. Um, let's just assume we're going to be drinking this until we die, because we have so much we of it. We still have two entire cases oh, left. I mean, that's fine. I'll, I'll keep drinking it. It's good. So I'm not, I'm yeah, not complaining. I don't hate it. I'm not going to complain about free beer that your parents so lovingly bought for you. So It's true. Um, no. Um, uh, but, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's what we're it's drinking. It's nice and cold, as we were talking about before. It's kind of hot in here again. It, we're supposed to be in fall, but we're not. It's hot. Um, I'm, Alex's fan broke. That's what's new right now. Yeah, but it doesn't even matter because we can't have the fans on during the podcast, so I'm sweltering over here. I'm, I'm hurting with you. That's um, true. So, what's new, Alex? What is new? Well, first off, we want to apologize, guys. We are in the middle of a project we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, sorry that this, you know, f- to our two listeners. Uh, hi, Mom. Hi, Mrs. Garcia. Yes. Um, hi, Mom. <laughs> we apologize that we didn't get this out earlier. We are in the midst of a big project we're going to be launching soon, and so we just got a little sidetracked, got a little busy. Yeah, I put um, up a little a little sneak peek teaser. Um, ooh. You know, it's up there. <laughs> a little dick pic. So if you want to uh, check that out, listen to it. Uh, See what the project is. I haven't even listened to it. I don't even want to know. Do I want to know what it is? It's just a little rundown Blurb. of what the project is that oh. we're doing. You know? Just a smidge. A smidge. Well, we'll talk about it a little bit more in case everyone just ble- breezed by that two-minute thing and being like, I don't need to listen to this. Yeah, this isn't true. the real podcast. That's true. It wasn't the real podcast. It said so in the title. I don't even want to listen to the real podcast. So I'm just going to keep know. scrolling. I'm going for that Joe Rogan interview with Elon Musk. At this uh, point, Musk. I'm wondering how many um, listeners we have and how many people have just sc- subscribed to us and it auto-downloads. I think we probably have three listeners and a hundred of the listens are my mom con- clicking to download it or listen to it, forgot, forgetting that she already clicked on it once and going back <laughs> and clicking on it like 99 more times. Yeah. That could be. Um, yeah. So that I mean, that's yeah. Uh, 
So, yes, our apologies. But what's new? Uh, first off, let's give a, a pour one out for Burt Reynolds. Um, I, I will virtually pour one out. Yeah, I'm not going to waste alcohol. Um, but it's, but it, it's happening yeah. by the magic of radio. <laughs> uh, Poured one out into my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> that just sounds horrible. Um, we lost a good one, guys. Um, but, uh, yeah. Birdie Wren. Good Birdie Wren. <laughs> Maybe he's happy he's dead now if you call him that. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, I was a big fan of Burt Reynolds. I was too. There was a one of my favorite movies growing up. I don't know if you, were, Nights? I don't know if you recall this <laughs> yet. Yeah. I don't know if you recall this little ditty, uh, but Cop and uh, yes, a Half. Yes, I knew that was coming because I oh, loved that movie. Snap. Oh, snap. Oh, sniggity snaps. I loved Cop and a Half. I loved it. Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, how can you top that? Don't give me Deliverance. Don't give me no. Boogie Nights. Give me no. a cop and a half. Cop and a half. Woo. What it's comes like after L? Bo. Boom. <laughs> Elbow such, to the face. Such good lines in that movie. I love that movie so much. So good. Um, so, you know, miss you, Bert. Yeah. Never got to meet you. But uh, did you ever hear the story about, he told the story a lot. He was not happy. Well, one, all the roles he turned down, like James Bond, um, uh, Indiana Jones. Was that one of them? I don't know if it was. Um, uh, Star Wars, right? Richard, yeah, Han Solo, Richard Gere's role in Pretty Woman, right? Um, uh, yeah, just so many roles he turned down, and it's like, damn. I'm gonna guess Jeff Goldblum's role in uh, Jurassic Park. <laughs> he probably turned down. That would be fantastic. <laughs> that would be the biggest sin of all if he turned that one down. Can you imagine him shirtless on that table? Oh my god, who can't? Uh, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well played, well played. Um, no, my favorite story is that he was uh, in his heyday. He was uh, mad at the National Enquirer. For the coverage that they were doing of him, and they, at the time they had the largest tree in America for Christmas, and he had a ranch, and as he said, cows and horses tend to create a lot of manure, so he got a helicopter, loaded a giant scooper with twenty tons of manure, and drew, flew over the National Choir tree and dropped it. Yes, <laughs> and then just flew off. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's that's the man we lost. Fantastic. So, yeah. Um, other and news. Probably good for the tree. Yeah, probably good for the tree. It really grew. Yeah. It just it never moved. Nope. It burst out of its seams and just dug into the cracks. Yeah. Became that's, the biggest tree ever. That's what I do. I burst out of the seams and dig into the cracks. Oh yeah. Don't we? All? <laughs> uh, another note: We had our fantasy draft for fantasy football. This is Alex's second year in fantasy, and he is he is killing he, it. <laughs> he is uh, picking up where he last left off. Uh, he's zero and one. Um, team Pluto Nash is coming in hard. <laughs> yeah, his team is named Pluto Nash. His emoji is the best. It's the poster. Is it a poster or a ticket? It's just a DVD cover. Oh, uh, the DVD cover of Pluto Nash, the uh, epic with Eddie Murphy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's struggling a little bit. He's, uh, he tried to make some epic trade, trades for a running back that nobody wanted for top players. <laughs> Didn't go through. Hasn't gone through yet. Yes. Uh, Just have to find the right sucker. I mean, the right person. <laughs> so if anyone out there wants to trade in their fantasy league for... LaShawn McCoy. LaShawn McCoy. <laughs> you let Alex know because he's going to try and go. He's going to go cross leagues to get a different player. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so, yes, and I am 1 0, and uh, we're doing fantasy. A little something, you know, don't want to be completely immersed in film all the time or you go crazy. Um, I almost have many times. But, uh, yeah, so we're doing fantasy. I don't fantasy. know if fantasy is the best thing to not go crazy with. That's true. It does make me go insane. It's very frustrating. It's very frustrating when all the. <laughs> Turnouts depend on other people's performances, and you have no control over it. No control. Yep. So that's fun. Um, what? Oh, Alex is an announcement. 
Alex. Is this number, is this C? <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm so I well prepared for this. I wasn't sure if you were like, well, you're the set, one who did this. Set me up for something else. You're right. So <laughs> I, I am setting you up for something else, but go continue. I, I uh, submitted a podcast to tune in. Yeah. Tune in. Uh, if you aren't familiar, is another podcast aggregator, which will allow you to now get our podcast on Amazon Alexa. If you have an Alexa, you can say, hey, Alexa, play No Budget Filmmaking Podcast on TuneIn. Now, you were telling me, you don't have to say TuneIn, right? TuneIn is like the default. So if I they think want, it is, yeah. So if they, if they just say, hey, Alexa, play the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast, it'll play. Before they had to say like, hey, Alexa, on Spotify, on Spotify or something or specific. But now it should play with you just saying at the top of your lungs, say, hey, Alexa, play the awesome no budget filmmaking podcast probably won't happen actually. <laughs> yeah, I haven't tested this out yet. I know. I'll I let you know. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I you should. Probably, I have an Alexa. <laughs> you should have tested that out before we just blast it. I didn't to everyone. put this on the run. You could have just said tune in. And you didn't have to go into the whole Alexa thing. But that's the, right. <laughs> so, Trevor, what do we have? What else is new? Well, we you know we've been teasing it a little bit, and we've tried to kind of I don't know I don't want to say. St- Stay away, but we don't want this podcast to just be us hammering our projects down people's throats. Um, we just yeah. we try and hammer booze down people's throats with exactly. this podcast. But we promote heavy drinking yeah. and heavy petting, <laughs> preferably at the same time <laughs> with the person you share a studio and a business with. Um, <laughs> um, but we have a project coming out. Um, we got a, a, a course that we're going to be uh, offering to people. Um, a lot of people, if you follow us on Instagram, you'll see that we have. Um, a lot of equipment. We are kind of equipment hounds, and a lot of people that we talk to don't know how we're not uh, bankrupt, and jokes on them, we are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but actually, no, we have this little system that we came up with to kind of uh, get this equipment for... Really, really cheap. Rock bottom prices. Rock, 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 rock bottom prices. Wah, 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 wah. Yeah, wow, we're getting really rock annoying today. Rock bottom prices. Um, or, and kind of, maybe free sometimes. And that's, free sometimes. That's the ticket. We've done, we've done a couple of deals where we've gotten our equipment for free after it's all said and done. And we're trying to, you know... In, in some cases, we've even got equipment for free where we didn't have to put any money down at all. Exactly. Crazy. It was insane. Uh... So we're, we're going to try and put this course out there for people so they can kind of, especially for no-budget filmmakers, you can kind of use this system to um, get equipment, which will help you get gigs because your equipment list will be better. And then at the same time, use this equipment to sell and raise funds for projects, no-budget film projects. Boom. And uh, we'll have more information out there. We're going to you know, hit up the email list, put it on our blog. It's going to be everywhere. You're going to be annoyed by us. You are. But if you want to make sure that you hear about it, you should probably head on over to cinemasummit.com and sign up for our email list. Um, if you want to, you will also be getting a little downloadable cheat sheet for the 36 Dramatic Situations yeah. when you sign up. But it's right there on cinemasummit.com. Enter your email, and we will let you know when we're ready to launch it. Yeah, we think it's going to be pretty cool, and more importantly, um, pretty informative. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So uh, that, that's that's the project we've been working on that kind of delayed this podcast. But now that that's all said and done, getting into the main nuts of the podcast. Um, the main crux is that what you meant to say? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. No. Yeah. No. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. The checks uh, mix of the podcast. Yes. I'm gonna take a sip of beer and stop talking. All right. So we're gonna be talking today about our philosophy, no budget filmmaking. So what do we mean? By no budget filmmaking pot or not pot. What do we mean by no budget filmmaking? Exactly. And why did we start this podcast? 
Right. What's the mentality we have? Um, so if you don't know me and Alex went to film school at USC, that's where we met. And there they kind of teach you how to work your way up to the big productions. Yeah, I always looked at it as like the best case scenario. They always taught us the best case scenario. Yeah. Or like what everyone kind of dreams about in terms of making projects, but it's not necessarily like a step-by-step system. There's no... Any of you who have been in the the industry long enough know that it's never like A plus B equals C. It's like a whole big shenanigans that finally you end up with a movie at the end. Yeah. Um, But they always taught it very simply, I thought. It was was very... It was, at the time, encouraging because I was like, oh man, that's all it takes? It was like... yeah. You know, package these people together and then yeah, take it to like Universal, and that's even more important. It's all about like, yeah, when you get your people together, you know, your your team of a bunch of people, and it's like, well, you know what? When we started after college, we didn't have the money, and so, well, hello, all right, um, <laughs> we didn't have the money for our projects to pay a bunch of people, and we kind of. I don't want to say ran out of asking for favors, but we just didn't want to ask our friends every weekend to do, you know, 30 of our friends to come and be part of this passion project that, you know, we, we had no, I, we didn't have any, you know, fantasies that would make money. So basically it was just, Hey, just do this for fun. And it's like, Oh, well, we can't really ask that forever. Yeah. You get, you get like a couple times with that. Yeah, exactly. And so we just came up with this mentality of like, do everything for the least amount of money. I, and, and we, you know, not to say, yeah, like, check us out, but, like, we, we take this to heart. We, like, we build our own stingers. We look at yeah. stingers and we're like, man, those are expensive. Because they are. They if, you, are. if you've ever gone and tried to, like, buy real stingers from, like, film tools, or you're B&H. like, oh, my God. I got $125. $125 for, a, what, like a 50-footer? Yeah. 100-footer? And so we we were able to find, you know, we were able to find deals where we found the exact cabling that they use for stingers, and we found a roll of 300 feet for $100. And you just get the hardware really cheap, and all of a sudden you got stingers for like, the, you got, you know, depending on how you do it, you got like 650-footers or 300-footers or, you know, a mix and match of the two for less than the cost of one. And yeah. it was that's kind of like the mentality we've always been fil- filmmaking is like do the best you can for the least amount of money possible. Yeah, and I think it kind of stemmed from the idea that, um, or when I when I first found out that when it comes to lighting, hmm. the actual instrument matters very little. Yeah, it's the techniques you know that really separate like a good good lighting from bad lighting. Um, because someone who knows the proper techniques can light, you know, a scene with just like lamp, like household lamps. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, I think my first gig bag, I had those clamp lights from Home Depot. Those were my lights because I just needed something to light scenes and I would just have to use like black foil to manipulate the light. Right. And I think that was one of the first signs like, oh, I mean, if that's true and, um, you don't necessarily need these five trucks outside with like all the different lights possible and all the sort of like rigging and grip stuff to get yeah. like a movie that you know obviously isn't like a universal tentpole movie, but like yeah, will but- look better than eighty-five to ninety percent of like independent films. 
why yeah. why do you need to like raise a million dollars get like angel investors mm-hmm. and you know do that whole song and dance if if you can do it yeah yourself it was just a way for us to get our projects a mentality that we you know locked into that got our projects made without waiting I mean, you know, we're still doing projects on the side and still developing things that we are looking for investors for. You know, that's not to say that you only have to do no right. budget. No, definitely not. And but, I think, you know, I don't think anyone ever has aspired to be like a no budget filmmaker forever. Well, I mean, okay, you could. Well, let's talk about the Duplass brothers. They they had an opportunity to shoot a Marvel movie. Would you consider them no budget? Now, granted, it's different. I mean, they're low budget compared to like the big ten poles, but they're still not. Um, the Duplass brothers, I would say, are like a perfect example of a symbiosis. Yeah. Wherein they have like HBO shows and they have other like Netflix shows, legitimate and, projects. Yeah. But at, at the same time, they're shooting the projects that they want to shoot whenever they want to shoot them for practically no money. I think that's awesome, you know? Yeah. And that just goes to show like, some, even if you have all the resources at, at hand, sometimes it's still easier, better. More fun. I mean, that's ultimately what it comes down to for me. It's like it's more yeah. fun to just be able to make the project you want to make without having to answer to like the studio heads. I mean, these guys have you know had shows on HBO, and Mark Duplass was on a show called The League on FX, and he was still making a movie called Creep with a handicam and his and the husband of his kid's nanny. I mean, because yeah. he just thought it was a cool idea and he wanted to have fun, and they did it in like two weekends, and so. It was uh, this whole idea of no budget filmmaking is that, you know, while you're not, why you don't, you shouldn't constrain yourself to waiting for a big budget. That's the thing. Like, go out, you know, write that script that you, that is for a $20 million movie and shop it around. But at the same time, you should be making stuff. You should be keeping your creative juices flowing. You know, shoot, shoot a short for no money. Um, because not only does it keep your, as I said, creative juices flowing, that sounds really gross now that I said it for a twice, second time, <laughs> but also, it, when you don't have a budget, your creativity really shines through. You know, they say that necessity is the mother of invention. So if you want a really cool shot and you're trying to do it for no money because, you know, you don't want to spend all the money you need to live, um, you can come up with really cool shots because that's what you have to do. Yeah, totally. It does It does promote a certain kind of, like, problem solving, which I think mm-hmm. is crucial in all aspects of filmmaking, no matter what the budget. But having big constraints and big obstacles you have to like work through almost like a puzzle will help you later on down the road when things become a little bit easier and you can solve these problems by throwing money at them. But being able to have um, different things in your back pocket, different solutions that you've already come across for things so that you can save money will also help later because, you know, the whole game is kind of like, shuffling money around like where do i put this money do i do i save this money here so i can put it into this other department yeah you know do i spend it now or do i save it for post all that kind of stuff you have to take into consideration and you know it's all all experience and it doesn't really matter um whether you're getting experience on a hundred million dollar movie versus like uh a fifty thousand dollar movie the the experience is valuable yeah and you know what you also become much more marketable when you get that project, when you're sitting in, you know, getting one of those meetings, those pitch meetings where you can say, hey, you know what? I did this for this little money. What do you think I could do with a budget that's 10 times as much? And that budget may only be 
a million dollars, but you know, if you could pull off something that looks awesome for a hundred thousand or ten thousand, and then you can go into a meeting and tell them, you know what, I can make this movie for a million and make it look better than this thing I have here that I did for ten thousand, and it's something that they think they could make thirty million on, you're probably going to get the gig. So you know, shoot the stuff for low budget. Kind of build your, I'd say, repertoire of of being somebody who can keep things under budget um, or at budget and still pull off some amazing stuff. One of the things that I found surprising, I guess, when I was at USC, um, Trevor and I worked on a short that was about $100,000. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. it ended up being, what, like 12 minutes or something? Yeah. Something like that. $100,000, 12 minutes. And then immediately after that, I produced a feature film for just under 50,000. Mm, so mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. 90 minutes for 50,000. And the interesting thing is, so obviously we had to stretch that money way more. Yeah. Uh, but the the entire process was identical. I mean, exactly the same. There's no, there wasn't really any difference. Um, and so that helped me realize that the skills and techniques that you learn are all, you know, useful across the board, no matter how, you know, big or small the budget, um, you should be practicing and, you know, working on the same skills, the problem solving and all that that you're going to have to do no matter what. No, no matter how much money you have in a budget, it's not going to help your composition. Yeah. It may give you a little more time to possibly, I would say to maybe take the time to set up the composition or to set up your shot because you have a little more leeway in the in the the schedule of the filming. But in the end, it doesn't matter if you're what camera you're using. It doesn't matter what um, you know lighting kit you have and how much money you have each day. If you can't, you know, light a simple shot or co- compose a simple shot that looks good. Yeah, I and, think the only the only difference would be you'd be able to hire potentially a better person. That's true. That's like the value of money is yeah. you can hire the best or better yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, if you're if your goal is like ours, like one of our one of the things that we like to do is um everything. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that we like to do is everything. Everything. Um, Absolutely everything. And that is a plus and a negative. <laughs> plus and a negative. Um but we really enjoy the entire process of filmmaking from pre-production, being on set, post-production, like the whole shebang. Yeah. We like, we like it. We like being involved in it. Mm-hmm. We like doing a lot of this stuff. Now, we don't want to do everything, right? But, yeah. but we like a lot of it. Um, so our personality is kind of like perfect for a no-budget mm-hmm. scenario because working as a team, the two of us, we can do a lot together that, you know, a single person can't do, I guess, or, um, you know, someone with limiting beliefs that they have to have, you know, a million dollars in order to be able to shoot a feature. It's like, well, no, we can, we can get a million dollars worth of production value on the screen for much less when we utilize our skills together. Yeah. And I think I would just to jump on that. I mean, there are some shorts that we did. There was one we did that I always go back to that we shot by ourselves, literally by ourselves. It was me and Alex. We had a couple actors, but when those actors weren't there, and even when the actors were there, we were camera actors, uh, lighting, sound. And I think that some of those shots that we pulled off in that look better than 
some shots in projects we've worked on that had $100,000, $200,000 budgets. Definitely. Because it was just kind of like the freedom to not like have 50 million questions asked at you about like this shot, this shot, this shot. It's like we could set up this shot. We're not in a huge time crunch because we have no budget for this. It's not like we're wasting money if we do this. Yeah, there's there's actually something like freeing about it. Yeah. Because you know, when you had when we were when we shot that short, um that was 100 grand. Yeah. We shot it on 35. Yep. Um the whole shebang. I mean, we had like uh, a Fisher dolly, I think, and like all sorts cuz it, it was a huge Panavision. Yep, it was a grant. Th- it was like a a huge camera that you couldn't really handhold for too long. Um, so it had all this support and there's something freeing about being able to just run around yeah, and like find the shots, yeah, find really cool. Like you don't have the time when you're shooting on 35 to be able to run around and like place the camera and find cool shots and yeah. like fire off a few things just to see if it works and like experimental. It's not as experimental. It's, it's a much more calculated endeavor. And to me, there's something a little bit more fun, a little bit more creative, a little bit more freeing about being able to run around and shoot and just kind of like do what you want. And at the risk of, you know, being uh, probably, uh, I don't know, arrested, not arrested, fined, you can steal so much more, so many more cooler shots when you have a smaller camera. Yeah. We went down to the subway, which in LA, you need permits for everything. So we went down to the subway station and got a really cool shot of the train going by, you know, really cool shots. It was the middle of the night. Nobody really cared because we had just a DSLR, and it was great. Yeah, and, exactly. And we, I don't think we would have been able to pull that off with, you know, a bigger budget and a crew and all that. Nope. And that's another thing that's freeing of, like, no-budget filmmaking is that if you ever – this is more so in L.A., and especially for me because I live downtown. If you ever walk by a production, and this is, like, from a commercial to a TV show to a movie – I mean, hell, there are like six production trucks, you know, oh, yeah. 20 people sitting around not doing anything. And I know it's, a lot of it's union, um, but it's like, I honestly think that a lot of movies are overstaffed. Just. They are. And it's, I feel like they do it for almost security. It's like, we're going to hire these people for these, um, this, this, these, you know, 10 shots out of yeah. a thousand yeah. that we're going to need them for, you yep. know, exactly. Um, same with the with the gear. It's like, man, I mean, the, if you ma- look the majority at the, of that yeah. stuff stays on the truck. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. If you look at if you're walking by a production that's in the middle of shooting and you look at the back of the truck, nine tenths of the gear is still there. Yeah, and it's like, and there oh. is something cool or something great about being able to roll up to a set and be like, ah, I have everything that I could possibly ever need. So I'll just leave it here. Yeah. And then when I go to set, I'll, I'll decide what I need and go grab it or like pull it off. Yeah. But Trevor and I used to have a truck as well. And cause we thought, well, I especially thought like, oh man, this is gonna be great. Cause oh, that, yeah. that exact reason I was like, yeah. oh, we'll be able to drive up. The truck wasn't huge. It was big. I mean, it was like a, it was like a 25 foot truck total. Um, so it wasn't like super easy to drive around. Yeah, I mean, it was still in LA at least. Yeah, it was still wonky. It still had to watch out the clearances and gas stations and oh yeah, all that good stuff. Um, so, but I thought, man, it's going to be great. We're gonna. It has a lift gate. Uh, we're gonna load it up. We load it up with carts and all the gear, the lighting, the HMIs, dollies, yeah. blah blah. And um, I mean, we never used it. We rented yeah. it out, yeah. which was a plus. Yeah, but 
for our own projects, we never used it because we're so used to this idea of like driving up, pulling into a spot, uh, jumping out, shooting stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it almost like having that, even though it's great, was restricting. It was restricting. Yeah. And we need to always talk about this all the time. It's like, oh, we want the biggest and the best and the fastest. And that usually means the biggest and the heaviest. And then at the time when you get that, this kind of goes in the truck, you find an excuse not to use it because it is so big and cumbersome. Yeah. Um, I mean, aside from me and Alex being hired to shoot a big, like $20 million project that has a lot of VFX and stuff like that. We, our dream now is just to get a little sprinter van, you know, those little, like, like nice little, like, I don't, would you call them a cargo van? Like the new school cargo van? You've seen them everywhere there. I mean, they have two different styles. Cargo just being like one that holds cargo versus a passenger. Yeah, I mean, the, when we say sprinter, we're like talking about a cargo van. It's a little bit nicer than your your, your, your Dodge taller. cargo. It's a little taller. And a little taller, which helps for Alex since he's 6'3". Um, and so... 6'4"? 6'5". 6'5". No, not really. <laughs> um, so that's our dream. Something that is, you know, you drive anywhere... You could just put all, you know, we have, you know, we just need our camera, a couple things of lights, some stands, some flags, some gels, and just something that isn't like this huge thing that we have to find specialized parking for. Um, and the coolest thing, I think, I mean, it's it's been very exciting. It gets a little overwhelming, overwhelming and kind of stupid sometimes, but like this idea that things are becoming more available to, to young filmmakers, to like up and coming filmmakers, to novice filmmakers and um having better and better quality like just in terms of the camera itself you know yeah to the lighting um all this stuff being like so new like if you talk about hmis those things still are like six grand a piece yeah you know for like a not not even a huge one yeah exactly um which is a problem and still there isn't a whole lot to like replace hmis for certain things um, they're starting to come out with stuff and it's exciting to see all that stuff come out. I mean, I'm excited every time they, different companies like launch new products. Yeah. I'm like, oh man, look, look at how this is going to like solve so many problems for filmmakers. Like when the light mat came out, oh, man. I was like, oh man, that's great because we've all, I mean, if you shoot enough, you'll get into a situation where you're like, oh, if only this light was like a little bit smaller. Yep. If, if only it was light enough for me to tape somewhere i used to have they used to make so gam a company called gam used to make a light called a stick-up light and it was like a small little tungsten thing it it was almost like paper clip thin like wire that had a bulb in it and then you could like just gaff tape it to the ceiling or something and i was always looking for stuff like that because i just knew that these situations would come up where like i want to rig stuff up but I don't want to like damage Ugh, the damage building or, or like you know drill into the wall to put like a pigeon plate or like put a wall spreader or change and crack your wall change your shot composition because there's a giant C stand holding it yeah. up. Yeah. Yep. So I'd always look for these these funky things, and that was kind of like it back yeah. then. You know, you had these like kind of tungsten lights, mm-hmm. small. You'd have to like stick up and run the cable. But nowadays, you have these light mats that you can literally like tape up to the ceiling you can run them off batteries and stuff like that yeah it's like, it's they're awesome. fantastic there's so much cool stuff happening right now in terms of 
making things even more possible, more uh, better production value, better yep. like uh, usefulness for no budget, low budget indie yeah. filmmakers. Yep. And so that's our kind of mentality is that you don't need all the gear. You don't need all those people. Now, we're not saying go out and, you know, we want people to be fired and stuff like that. Um, the, no, of course the not. Large, we're, large we're, studios will be much more hap- much happier to hire all those people anyway. Yeah. we. I'm a big movie fan in general. Yeah. We love studio movies. Yeah. We're not saying we want studio movies to go away no, by any means. No, but, we, but not... Look at how many filmmakers are out there. Go on any, like, message board. Go on Facebook groups. And then think about how many directors are making the big budget movies. The chances of you making a big budget movie are very slim. They, that's true. And so, just it, statistics, people. Statistics. These are numbers. This I is know not, this is not we're to not deter you from, from going after your dreams. Yeah, absolutely but, not. But why wait until you get that big picture before you make something using skills that you can learn shooting no budget? Like, why wait for someone else to tell you that you can make your feature film? Why wait until someone is like, I'll give you $50,000? When you have, you can get the gear, or at least rent it, for a lot cheaper than you ever have before, and can shoot a short, and can can make a product project that you've been thinking about for a long time without having to get an okay from somebody with money. Yeah, and ultimately, what I think we want to promote is is like a community of filmmakers and just a place for people to sort of level up a little bit. You know what I mean? Because one thing, working in the distribution world, mm. and I worked in acquisitions for oh, part of my... did you? I did. Okay. So what, one of my jobs was to get screeners for movies, for okay. independent films, watch them. I'd also get invited to screenings at theaters, watch them, watch movies. And, you know, back then, the barrier of entry was much bigger. Yep. Um, so the gap between what was like... Like I got just joy from a movie that was just simply passable, you know, because the majority <laughs> of the movies were pretty rough. I mean, it was it's re- it was really hard to make a movie back then. Now it's not it's not so hard, but you still have um, people that are struggling because they don't know the basics. They don't know they don't have like the knowledge to be able to, uh, you know, know how to create creative compositions that yeah. would really heighten their film with no extra cost. You know what I mean? Or not to, like simple lighting that doesn't blow out or is like lighting that is, um, you know, moody and isn't just flat. Um, yeah. Or for the love of God, uh, sound design. Oh my gosh. Foley, ADR, these Woo! things, you know? Yeah. So like just having the skills and the knowledge to be able to take all that info and and increase your production, your own productions, like that's ultimately what we want. Yeah, we want people to walk away inspired from our podcast, even though eh, yeah, we're not, not that not by us, just by the things <laughs> that we're we're saying is out there. Yeah, but we don't we well we have no uh, false um, you know beliefs that we are going to inspire any filmmaker out there from our shenanigans that we do while we're drinking. I know. Um, yeah. But, I mean, if you're like me, I, whenever I read something or see a movie or listen to a podcast about filmmaking, I get amped. I'm like, ah, oh, God, I want to go shoot. I want to go shoot. Even if what they're saying, like what we're saying is stupid and you hate them, which I'm sure everyone does who listens to this, um, it just gets you going. It gets your, your uh, I'm say it again, you get your juices flowing. <laughs> I got Trevor's full of juices I'm today. full of juices today. It's so hot. I'm, all the juices are coming out. Um, but, like... I know they say it's a cutthroat business. That old show business is a cutthroat business. But 
we just want people to succeed. Like if there's enough avenues out there for content that I don't want, there's no filmmaker that I look at that I'm like, I hope you don't make a film because that leaves less room for me. I like, no, I, I, I just like collaborating with people. Um, there's some people I don't like collaborating with more. I dislike collaborating with more than others. Uh, that's personal stuff, but he's talking about me. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm retiring after this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like for the most part, filmmaking is a collaborative effort. I've always said this. I think Alex, this echoes with Alex too. I hate the, and the, I get it. I get it. I'm not a big fan of a film by at the beginning because there's so many people that go, that are a part of making a film that it, I don't care if it's the person wrote, directed and produced it. They still weren't the one hanging every light. They weren't, you know, a film by is, is kind of misleading because it's such collaborative effort, and even filmmaker to filmmaker, director to director, like you, like you go look at like the list of Hollywood film directors, and they're usually friends with all the other directors that are out there because they just like to talk about it. Like it's not like Guillermo del Toro is not saying anything to anyone else because they don't want him to. They don't. He doesn't want them to steal his ideas. Right. Um, he's, they don't live in a vacuum. Absolutely not. And this this is what we want. We want to build this community of no budget filmmakers that are just having fun making stuff, and no matter how big or how small. You know, hey, if we get one person who's up at the Oscars and be like, hey, yeah, here goes a pipe dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to say thanks to the budget filmmaking because they got me here because they just made me believe in my filmmaking abilities. Never going to happen. Well, we're never going to be on that stage. But uh, um, Yeah, no, the podcast will be long gone before anyone listening true. to this. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, but that being said, we just want people to be better filmmakers. I'm um, not saying that you're bad, but we just you should never stop learning how to be a filmmaker and get better. Yeah, and I think that's that's an important point to hit home. Um, I I I worry about filmmakers that think that they know everything. Man, man, those are the worst. Um, and I I think any artistic endeavor is like always a work in progress. Mm-hmm. So you start out, you know, in one place in your life, and as you move along, you're learning new things, you're having life experiences. Yep, it all works together um, to create a better hopefully, um, artist in the end. Mm -hmm. And part of that is staying up to date with new technology or with new techniques or just learning, uh, more things about, about the business or different aspects of the business that you didn't know about before. And I think it's a, a constant learning process. And I think it's important for people to, you know, seek out new knowledge all the time because, the industry moves so fast. Yeah. Um, even, you know, when, when we first started was kind of like right at that point where before us, everyone only had one job Yeah. after us, everyone expected people to do everything. Yeah. I think and so if you weren't like constantly trying to improve in all these different assets like you, or aspects, you didn't really have a chance to break through mm-hmm. right away because they expected someone who was able to, run a camera and do sound yeah. or someone who is able to shoot and edit or, you know, all these different combinations that they always expect you to do. Um, and so I think that quest for knowledge, that quest to become better is huge when it comes to being an independent filmmaker. Yeah. And I mean, in all honesty, this industry doesn't give a shit about filmmakers. It really doesn't. It just cares about that final product and money. So filmmakers need to stick up 
for other filmmakers. Filmmakers need to help each other out. Um, and that's why we just want to share the knowledge that we have working in the industry and all the foibles and missteps we've done. All the foibles and boigles. Foibles and boigles. That sounds like a really good board game. <laughs> or a bagel shop. <laughs> foibles and boigles. <laughs> oh, my God. Or a burger shop. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, it's just one of those things that um, there's tons of stuff to learn out there. We're still learning every day, and we still learn from our friends when they're telling us about what they're doing. Um, and And... It's a new age where you don't need a ton of money to do what you want to do. Um, yeah. You know, you need you maybe need some friends who have a camera or just a, get a little money to rent, but not bad. It's not horrible. Yeah, and with all the information that's available out there on the on the internet, in the interwebs, on the inter intronets, I think um, there's really no excuse. You know, I, I remember there, there's been times like early in my cinematography career lies um where we had to shoot a specific type of shot and i had i was like not not super confident okay so i even just went to google and was like how to light this type of shot you know like mm-hmm. how to light a um nighttime interior or something mm-hmm. you know what i mean and so you just go and you research and you do you do the legwork and then you practice and then you try out the different techniques and you like move forward and that's how you get better um and it was awesome. And and that's just like one example of how you can really find like specific info out there. Yeah. And keep working towards the goal of being the ultimate filmmaker. <laughs> Maybe not that ultimate. You're right. You're the universal scared. soldier of filmmaking. <laughs> the Dolph Lundgren <laughs> of filmmaking. Who's had a very long career. So very fantastic. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, so I mean, that is kind of what we wanted with this podcast. We started this podcast to kind of not just inspire. Again, we said we're not going to lie. This probably won't inspire many people, but we just want to show you that anything's possible if you just have you know some creativity, you have a drive, um, and you don't need tons of money that that you're searching, running around for um, to to do to have your projects, you know, made made have them bring them to reality. I mean. What is that movie, Kin, that yes. that just came out? That was a short. That was a short that they made for a con- contest. Yeah, and it won, cool. and people liked it enough that they, you know, I don't know what the budget of the short was, so I can't really say it was no budget. But you know what I mean? It's like, um, you know, you know, sometimes there's those those concepts mm-hmm. for movies, yeah, that you're just like, God, it's so simple. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> it pisses me off so much. It's when like, it's, oh, a kid finds like a laser gun. Mm, there is a secret ending, but yeah, yeah. That's just like, and also it's like that, uh, the cured or whatever. Yeah, where it was like zombies, but after they've been rehabbed. Yeah. Into, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they come back into regular society. Yep. I mean, there's. I mean, there's Man. tons. I like saw. Saw's a very simple yep. idea. Just yep. a guy tortures people. They just had a cool concept. Um, it, it really goes to show you, like, if you have a solid concept and some ingenuity. And, you know, and, and you just... Drive, and, passion. And drive and passion and, and, and the wherewithal to get it made. It You never know what it could lead to. Yep. Love it. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's kind of our philosophy. Comes to no, no budget filmmaking, I guess. 
It was a lot of rambling about. It was a lot of rambling. Man, about, I apologize about the same thing over about, and over again, oh, probably. But whatever. Hey, yeah. listen. Hey, guys. You're still listening. Hopefully, hi mom. Um, so you know, hopefully, you have the same mentality we do. It's all about about getting your projects made, no matter what the how much money you have in your pocket. Yep. Because I usually have none. Right. Because I'm married. <laughs> 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 Love you, babe. <laughs> Um, so that'll do it for that main section of the no budget filmmaking uh, philosophy. Yep. 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 So what's cool, Alex? What is cool? Hit me with something. All right. I just saw this today. Speaking of gear. Yeah. The Aperture Lightstorm 120D2. Ooh. So those of you who aren't familiar, the Aperture Lightstorm is a series of LED lights that were created to be sort of powerful one source um, lights. Which, um, if you aren't familiar with like light panels and stuff like that, are these sort of like LED arrays that have a ton of like a it's like a one by one mm-hmm. square of hundreds of LEDs. Yeah, those are awesome. Those were kind of like the first LEDs to come out. Yep. Um, but people have realized that it would be better if they came from a single source, like most traditional lights, like tungsten lights. Yep. HMIs they all come from the bulb. Yeah. Single source. So Aperture made these lights that use a single large LED, and you can put different modifiers on them, like uh, Fresnel or nice. um, soft boxes and nice. all sorts of different modifiers to utilize them in the same way you would a traditional light. And they've recently come out with the 120D2, Ooh. which is 25% more powerful. Ooh, for 30% more price. Probably. <laughs> um, but... It is equivalent to a 1K tungsten. Oh, man. It's kind of nice. And it's really lightweight. Oh, man. That's the best. Um, Going back to our sprinter, like, lights are so... Lightweight is so... So light these days. Light, lights so are so light clutch. these days. Yeah. Um, and the cool thing about LEDs, <clears throat> as you know, they are yeah. cool-ish yep. um, to the touch, so it leaves your actors not feeling so horrible. Yeah, like if, I do right now. Yeah. Um, and less power draw. Less power draw. You can run them off batteries. Yeah. Um, the aperture lights, they utilize a Bowens mount on the front, so you can use Bowens Ooh, uh, accessories. Nice. So you can put like china balls on them. You can put um, lanterns. Nice. You can put big soft boxes, all sorts of crazy stuff, pancakes. That's cool. Um, and now this new one has different effects built in. So you can do <sighs> I think like I saw- paparazzi strobe, lightning. TV, TV flicker, yeah, flicker. I saw that. fireworks, fireworks. That's cool. That's really cool. All sorts of stuff, and I believe the price tag on it is about seven fifty. So it's not too bad. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Yeah, for seven fifty for one K uh, for now that does all that. Yeah, I'll take it all yeah. day. The the one downside to it is that it's daylight only. What? It's not a huge downside, but it's not full color. No. Interesting. It's not even bicolor. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, something tells me the D3 is probably going to be full color spectrum. It pro- they'll probably do that soon. Yeah. They might do a light storm uh, bicolor, I don't know, at some point. Okay. But the problem is, because it's a single source, Yeah. you have to, uh, you have to take that into account, because when you start mixing different color temperatures when it comes to LEDs, you start introducing multiple different bulbs or different true. uh true well the hives is a single source supposedly so 
Well, they do some special magic. I know. Uh, to get it that way. Yep. Yeah. I love Methem Hives, too. Me, too. Um, well, I got... Uh, this is kind of cool for all you filmmakers out there that are trying to make a little extra kish on the side. It's the Vimeo Stock li- Library Program. And basically what it is, is you can take your stock footage that you've shot and have the rights to and own and sell it to Vimeo. No, not sell it to Vimeo, but put it on their market, and if it's purchased, you get a cut. Um, so it's a way to sell footage that you, you know, you, maybe you did a really cool short out in the woods. You got some really cool drone shots in the uh, woods over the treetops and something like that. You can put it up on uh, Vimeo, the Vimeo Stock Library program, and make some money off of it. Um, so not it's, too scabby. No, not too scabby. If you're going to shoot it anyway, or if you just want to go out and start shooting stock footage. People make good money from shooting stock footage. So if you have a really good camera, some really good locations, go sh- shoot some stuff and uh, make a little money while you're just hanging around waiting for your next project to start. Word. Don't hate that. Nope. Uh, let's see what else did I see. Oh, yeah. Sigma adds 28 millimeter, 40 millimeter. What? And 105 millimeter. What? To their lineup of cinema lenses. You know, Sigma's used to be kind of laughable. Not laughable, but kind of just like, oh, okay, it's the cheap end version. But they're coming, man. They're coming, they're they're, coming strong. So they're now coming strong. They have everything from 14 mil to 135 in their cinema. Ooh. Range and I believe you can get it in either Canon or PL. Oh, and E mount. Ooh, so you got three options well, there. Sony and their 1.5s. Wow, so that's not bad. That's not bad at all. I mean, that's some decent. That's some decent camera lenses for probably shockingly less than the the big boys. Yeah, no no information on pricing yet because they just announced them. I think they're coming out in early 2019. Okay, okay. Um, I've got the Sony Tough SD cards. Anyone who's shooting digital knows, especially when you're dealing with DSLRs. I'd say Canon is staying with the CFs, but mostly everyone else does SD. Yeah, and SD, I oh mean, I mean, it's just SD is universal for all most like sound recording devices. The fact that um, you have that, like most computers nowadays, have an SD port in them. Yeah, built in is is fantastic. phenomenal. Yeah, so Sony coming out with these uh, tough SD cards, and if you ever mess with old SD cards, you'll see that it's two pieces of plastic with the like the data sandwiched in between them. Yeah, and those they, they tear apart within they tear apart. months. Yeah, and uh, so what they did is they did a completely sealed one piece molding. Um, so there is nothing to snap apart in terms of the casing of these things. Um, that being said, there's no right protect because that is kind of what makes it the two pieces where you can have that switch that goes up and down so it's only readable, not writable. This one doesn't have that, so that's one little caveat that you have to keep in mind that it, no matter what, it can always be overwritten. Well, okay. I have I have this theory. Yes. Um, no one uses that thing. That's true. Uh, when they <laughs> even, do... Even I, when you're like, even when you pull it out of a camera, nobody switches it over to hand it over to the DIT and be like, be careful. They just yeah. hand it over. Not only that, but, but like, I've never, I've never been on a project where I've been like, if only I had right protected that card. No. Mostly it's, if only I hadn't held that giant magnet up to the hard drive with all my footage on it. If only I hadn't dropped the lens. Oh, yeah. That, that, that's more likely. I've seen so many of those videos of like oh, people man. like walking through a creek with their camera and yeah. it just goes down. Yeah. goes down. Um, but so also, so no right protect, but it's also a hard grade, a high grade harness, hardness, I should say, of the plastic. So it's bend proof, drop proof of up to five meters, water and dust proof, and it's 18 times stronger, the casing, than a regular SD card. Um, five meters? Yeah. 
I feel like you could drop that thing way from way higher. I think they just don't want to risk it. I think it's like part of the warranty thing where it's You're like, right. you know, um, you did it from 5.1 meters. Not responsible. Yeah. Um, but I mean, come on. Yeah. The thing's going to float down like a feather. Yeah, I know. Um, it is V90 certification, which means it is never slower than 90 megabytes a second, but it transfers at much more than that. I think they said like 500 to 600 megabytes per second, which is great for an SD card. Nice. Yep. And then it comes in sizes 32, 64, and 128. Uh, no pricing yet, um, but I'm, I'll, I'll I'm take a fan. it. I'm a fan. I, I, you know, for most of the stuff we shoot, we don't really put it in situations where we need tough stuff. But if we're going on the on the a field shoot, I definitely would use those. Well, my problem is. Even just on Larry King's TV shows. Yeah, those we, things. We're in the studio. We shoot multiple times a, a week. Yeah. But we're not doing anything crazy. It's not like, you know, we're just taking the car, putting them in, taking them out, dumping footage. And they still broke. And they break constantly. We've had to replace yeah. them multiple times. Yeah. Um, so this sounds like a great idea. I'm surprised no one has done this before. It, it, yeah. It's shocking how... We'll see. We'll, we'll hold off until we see the pricing because it could be like three times right. more like expensive. It's like $800 for yeah, one SD exactly. card. You're like, what are you talking about? I can just buy so many of them. <laughs> exactly. Like, meh, maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. Um, all right. What else you got? So I just saw this today as well. Oh. Uh, Raw Film is a new website. Okay. Speaking of stock footage, um, where they have specifically read Raw footage available and it's subscription based okay so you're paying like i think the lowest tier is 49 dollars a month that's um, not bad but you're not getting the full you know you're not getting all Access the bills everything, so yeah. you're not getting actual red raw footage at that price point you're getting like h264 okay. but in 4k yeah still, there's still nice. another price point and then the the most expensive one i think is 89 bucks a month Woo! and i believe you can download up to 20 files in that in that tier and you get all the the raw you get um prores and h264 options and the thing about it is that they're they're pushing is all the clips every single one was shot on red yeah so if you're if you're a red shooter this is great you want to get foot like stock footage that you know will match yeah because it's shot on the same camera fantastic there you go i mean i think that's a smart idea on their part mm-hmm. um to because i feel like reds are specifically in sort of like the promo commercial realm are extremely popular yeah and and that doesn't limit anybody because then you can you can take that r- raw red and convert it and be fine yeah um, and do what you need to do with it because i think premiere does raw red um yeah the red yeah. Yeah. So I think you know it'd be it'd be fine. I mean, it it kind of is. It's a. I would say I wouldn't say it's a marketing ploy, but it's just a way to get people who really love red to get involved, and then people who aren't just if they have a good enough offering, will buy it as well. Yeah. So I think yep. that's cool if you're in that if you're in that game. Yeah. Check it out. Um, and then finally, for me, I'm a, I'm in the uh, the uh, freaking storage world this time. Um, yeah, you are. The Samsung X5 portable SSD. Now this thing is blazing fast. Blazing fast. So this is like this is this is what I was talking about. Where we're getting close to the world where you don't need any internal drives, you don't need any internal stuff because external is so fast. It's just as fast as internal. And this is an, a portable SSD drive. It's Thunderbolt three only. So it's not compatible with Thunderbolt two, not compatible with Thunderbolt one, not any of that stuff. It has to be Thunderbolt three yeah. for it to work at all. It'll well, work on USB C, right? It just won't have the. No, the fast, I don't think it right? even does that. No, it says not even USB C. It won't work at no, all. Nope. It said U- Thunderbolt only. Interesting. Only. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the URL just to double check. Let's see here. 
Although the connector itself looks like a US USB 3.1 Type C plug, don't be fooled here. That supports Thunderbolt 3 only. You're right. An adapter for Thunderbolt 2 won't work. All that stuff. And so what this thing does is it transfers at 2.8 gigabytes a second. 2.8 gigabytes a second. That That's means crazy. our big cards for our 1DC will transfer in a minute, the whole thing. Yeah. A minute. That's crazy. Yeah. Love that. That's uh, fantastic. And you know, it's not super expensive. It's expensive, but it's not super expensive. It's the 500 gigabyte model is 400, the one terabyte is 700, and the two terabyte is 1400. Now that's crazy, but if you are just, you know, want to be, sh- sh- I mean, hell, I'm trying to think here. I mean, that's not bad, If really. you want to edit on an external drive 8K, that probably could handle it. Yeah. You definitely want the uh, two terabytes. Yeah, you definitely want the two terabyte, <laughs> but it could it could handle 8K. Probably. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, like that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, the the only thing about all this stuff, I mean, it is really cool. I'm a big fan. Yeah. But like your example of the cards. Yeah. That would only work if you had a Thunderbolt 3 card yeah, reader. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was just saying in terms of size, like moving 128 right, file. right. To, but my point is, until everything becomes yeah as fast as Thunderbolt, as fast 3, as Thunderbolt three, or everything becomes Thunderbolt three, you're gonna bo- be bottlenecked by something, yeah. and that's a slower speed. Yes, and that's fine. Rain on my parade. Fine. I don't even want to tell you about this stuff anymore. But if you're it. if you're running you. straight yeah. off the comp, yeah, no, not bad. Yeah, exactly. Um, once you get it there, yeah, once you good. get it there, it's fantastic. <laughs> so you know, transfer your footage at night, then in the morning you can edit 8K on an external yeah. drive and bring it where you want to. Transfer it on your USB 2.0. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Card reader. You can't though. Uh, actually, though, no, you could do to the computer. computer. Yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. 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 So, um, yeah, that's all I got. How about you? Anything else that's cool? Do I have anything else? I don't think so. I think that's it. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Again, apologies for it being a little later. Um, but thank you for joining us. You can get the show notes for this episode by visiting nobudgetfilmmaking.com, episode 21. And don't forget to hop on over to iTunes and subscribe to our podcast. While you're there, give us a five-star five rating if you feel so inclined. We got another one. So we're at 11. Yeah. Hey, Hey-o. check us out. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Write guys. Write us a review. Yeah. And we... We'll probably shout you out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, uh, not probably. We will. We will. We're, we are just whores for attention. We are. <laughs> so. We don't we don't check them all the time. No. So if, if there's one up right now, we we'll probably don't know about them. Yeah. We'll get you next We're time. probably going to check it right after this, though. Um, also, if you have any filmmaking questions, ask away in the comments section, and we will try to answer them to the best of our knowledge. Then go to our Facebook page, at Cinema Summit. Follow us on Instagram, at Cinema Summit. Go to our YouTube, slash Cinema Summit, and check us out. Uh, like us, love us. Us, this frowny face, cry face, whatever you want to do, just yeah. interact with us. Shocked face, Shock, whoa. whoa, anger face. These guys Grr. are idiots. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you next time. Later.